if you have a turd as an employee, excuse my language, <laughs> and you polish that turd and you keep polishing and polishing, what do you end up with? And not all agents should be agents. Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Well, this has been a long time coming. I'm super excited to have Ted Paris in studio representing Napa. You're the head of Napa? Yes, so, yeah. so to speak. I, I work for the board of directors. Okay. We have nine board of directors. Um, most of them are current agents. Some are former agents, but they all have the company ties with us, uh-huh. captive guys. Sure. Uh, and you know, we represent... What we think is the interest of the agency force because sure. of many contractual arrangements uh, about what someone may or may not say, may or may not print, may or may not broadcast out there in the world. Uh-huh. Uh, and don't want to get anyone in trouble on, on any kind of uh, OBAs or anything like that. So we're pretty cautious on what we try cool. to say, what we do. Awesome. So well, for somebody well, who thinks Napa is just a cabbage or we, auto parts. Can we clarify? <laughs> well, yeah, I went on the Napa wine train, but it's a little bit different. Yeah. Than, than Napa. Uh, and we don't sell auto parts. Uh, nope. <laughs> and there is another Napa website out there that you don't want to go to unless you want a real education. Oh, boy. Yeah. You to watch <laughs> out. So when you do it, just make sure you go Napa USA. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Please make sure you put that USA in there. Yeah. So anyway, we, I'm glad to meet you guys. And Craig, I, I do apologize when we were down there in um, what a year ago now, right? Or last. Oh, last that fall. is crazy. So, uh, last almost February, a year. We yeah. November, Tucson, November, and getting down. I was going to have dinner with you and have dinner with with uh, another of the agents down there, and you know, COVID scares people to death, mm-hmm. and it was. Pretty blatant in Tucson back in February of 2021. So we did play golf. And I tell yeah. you what, I, that uh, the, we played at the uh, Casino Del Rey golf course, the one that the University yeah. Del Sol. of Arizona plays on. Yeah. And I've always wanted to play a pure desert course. It uh, is. And I had to get that out of the way and never do it again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You have to be I've careful never, if you... I usually don't hit the fairways, but when I do hit the fairways, when I go get my ball off the tee, I would expect it to be on the fairway somewhere. Yeah. But not there. No. The ball rolls left, right. It's like hitting it on a mound. It just went. But the way you we have, have to hit it straight. You have to hit it straight there. You're in, in a lot of trouble. And you may as well just forget about getting the ball. We did. February, you have less of a chance of getting bit by most things. So you do have that going for you. In February, the only wildlife we saw were the were the fellow golfers and a few roadrunners. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they're still out. Yeah. So we like to fire the thing off with a round of what we call speed breakers. It'll, some fun questions that you're going to have a lot of fun answering, and it's a rapid fire question and answer. So hopefully, we can put the timer up, Mr. Jason. There is no no we'll, wrong we'll answers. Try to, we'll, we'll try to keep up. There is no wrong answer. So, are you ready, Mr. Ted Paris? All right, perfect. Have you ever had a mullet? No. No. First crush. Can you remember back to your first crush? Oh, of course. That would have been way back when, Dixie. 
Dixie. Whistling Dixie. Yeah. Most embarrassing thing your mom ever caught you doing? Wow. <laughs> It'd be kind of hard to eliminate a bunch of them. <laughs> but, uh, no, I have um, three older sisters. Uh-huh. Uh, so um, we all within five years of each other. So I would say friends uh, trying to sneak peeks at my sister would probably be the most embarrassing. Oh, nice. There you go. How about fastest speed ever driven? Probably 110. That's respectable. As long as you're in the triple digits. Favorite cereal? Well, it was Smart Start. Smart Start. And how many kids? How many kids? Uh Uh-huh. I have three kids. No, I'm sorry. Have you made cry? Have I made cry? Yes. Um, <laughs> dozens. I have nine grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> so between three kids and nine grandchildren, I probably made at least 12. There you go. Count Chocula or Count Dracula? Chocula. Chocula. Like it. Fastest mile. That I ran? We don't put units, so it's whatever you prefer. Oh, fastest mile? I, I was When I was in sports, you had to run a five-minute mile if you wanted to be on the basketball team. So Wow. So you did a five-minute mile? Yeah. Awesome. That is really good. And Bill Harris, if you ever know the name of Bill Harris, was my high school mm-hmm. basketball coach. Wow. Very good. So you do uh, know who Del Harris is. I've right? heard that name. I can't... Lakers? Oh, yes. Yes, Del Harris. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Favorite flavor? Butterscotch. Butterscotch. And dogs Ooh. or cats? There's a correct answer on this one. Well, there is. We currently have a cat. Oh, no. Oh, I, know. I like how you went I down know. on that. At least you understand. We had, uh, we had two dogs and two cats, for, and we got them all about the same time. And they all lived for 18 years. So we had them. And, Whoa. Uh, when they all finally passed away, we decided uh, not to have any pets for a while. And then... Recently, my daughter has a stray cat that had more stray cats, and wife picked one of those stray cats up. So we now have a three-month-old kitten that still should be at my daughter's house, not at mine. That's how it works out every time. But it's here. Isn't it funny, the resolve to when the, a pet dies, you're like, that's it. We're never having a pet again. And then it's like, well, maybe we'll have a pet. And then it kind of, okay. Well, it's been four years, so. Yeah, yeah. Tacos or burritos? Tacos. That's correct. And favorite video game? Uh, Pac-Man. Pac-Man. I love it. That's the first Pac-Man. <laughs> and everybody's favorite question, Trump or Biden? You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, you can probably figure that. <laughs> <laughs> love it. You so, Ted, what was the first concert you ever went to? Oh, probably, I'm trying to think, probably the Supremes. Woo! Nice. At, at Indiana State University back in the late um, 60s or 90s, depending which way you look at the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Love it. Well, so why don't you take us back all the way back to the Supremes, how you got into the insurance business, what attracted you, what your path has been to where you are now? Well, I um, went to Indiana State University, the school that created Larry Bird back in those in, in the days. But uh, I graduated with a business administration degree, and I went to work at F.W. Woolworth and Company back in the late 60s. And at that particular time, the largest food chain was 
FW Woolworth with all their cafeterias and all their luncheonettes. I did their program, got transferred to Woolco, which was the counterpart of um, Kmart and Walmart and all that kind of stuff. And we got transferred to Chicago. I loved it. You know, Chicago would be great if you were single or married with no kids, but I was married and had two kids. And it took three kids for my Southern Indiana wife to lug around in Chicago with only one car and second floor apartment. So we didn't last in Chicago very long. So I was told uh, that she was going to go visit her mom. And I said, when are you coming back? And she said, you can come visit. So we we decided to move back down to uh, Southern Indiana and Southern Illinois, and uh, I started working for another small retail chain. And I did that, bought my own stores. I actually had three stores at one time. And it was fun until Walmart moved into all three towns I had a store. They were a little bit of a predator. So uh, it it made it uh, not as much fun. Took away all the profit. So I closed up the stores and was looking for something to do. And all of a sudden, all these different insurance companies start knocking at my door saying, hey, you're young enough and college degree and been in management. Boy, we'd just be the perfect person to open an insurance agency. And I Turned down New York Life, Mass, all these life insurance companies. I figured that I'd eventually run out of people who I knew that had money, and then I'd have to really go to work for a living. Yeah, uh, I talked myself into a job at Farmers Insurance, being a scratch district manager in an area where no one knew about Farmers Insurance Group in Southwest Indiana, and convinced them that they should hire me to do that. They did. The nice thing about Doing it is I got put on a salary back in those days for the first 12 months. And then all of a sudden after that, it was commission basis only. So it had to kind of sink and swim real quick or I was going to starve to death. But I did that for 18 years. Uh, and uh, they changed their program to one that wasn't going to be acceptable to for me personally you just can't pull someone out of their career and promise on the world and then they don't deliver you know most scratch agents at that time all the agents i put on were started scratch we did put them on a guarantee income and 32 out of my first 35 agents i put on lasted over five years Wow. Uh, it's really a, a bell curve that this doesn't happen very often and then Farmers started doing what most companies want to do. They want to start uh, changing the program. Say, oh, we're paying too much, paying too much money doing this. As a district manager, I should just put more people on and not worry about their success rates. But farmers was um, contract was kind of unique. As a district manager, I actually owned the district. I got paid ten percent of what the agents earned. But if I put a new agent on and an agent in the last two years, I got to pay back half of the salary that. Farmers paid them, uh, and that was really attractive, (laughs) an attractive offer. So in 2005, uh, I tell people I have the distinction that I quit the same day that the CEO, uh, Martin D. Feynman, uh, Feynman quit at at the Farmers, same day, 12-31-04. Decided I was uh, was 55, but didn't, uh, and I actually owned the district, so they bought me out. And paid me off, and I said, "Well, let's see what I do." I got bored pretty quick, so there was a small agency with an 
captive company that the guy wanted to sell. And I went from a running a $60 million district at Farmers to running a 600,000 agency <laughs> captive company. Went from having 25 agents and 75 staff people reporting to me to having one yeah. staff person. Yeah, and I really didn't need her at <laughs> a $600,000 premium. So type A personality took over, went from 600000 to $3 million back in the early middle 2000s in about three years and was going to coast and then got upset with the company when they wanted to go from 10 to 8 and they wanted to go to variable comp. So I quit. I sold it, found someone to buy it. Six months later, they come knocking at my door and say, hey, we have another agency in a bigger town just right next door to you that the guy's being terminated for XYZ. Would you like to buy it it's on the new ADT program? Uh, and when I first got started, I started on the STARS program, which was almost like stealing money from the company. It was a 66-month <laughs> program where they paid you extra money by writing business. On the new program, that ADT program, at least they gave you the, you had to write so much business to get free money, okay? Uh, so I came back to, to them and ran that for four years and built it up and sold it again, and I was going to go happily off to retirement. <laughs> uh, but Napa came calling. I was happened to be a, a Napa member, not because I was a union guy, because the associations are not unions, but I didn't think that the company was – giving any mentorship or advice or really any education and going two weeks in a regional office and two and then 10 days in a university setting does not make an agent successful in any captive world. Uh, you just don't know what you don't know. And about six months later, people were figuring out that they really didn't know anything other than buy more leads, hire more staff, make more sales which is easy to say. So I agreed to take over as executive director for the people who were retiring. And I've been doing that now for about four and a half years. I look at it more that my position is a mentor program. We're, we're not anti-company. It's a lot of things they do, whether it's Captive A or Captive B or Captive C, all have things. And, and they're all in business to make money for themselves. If you're an agent, you're one of the top 20, uh, you make a lot of money. If my big beef with both farmers and the other captive that we're talking about is that they still think that two new people out in the bush are better than one they have in hand. So they'll pay more attention to the new person than an existing agent who might be struggling and someone needs to be there to help them. And not all agents should be agents. Not right. all agents should remain agents and not all agents should be captive. So it kind of makes it a little bit more of a mentoring where we hopefully can guide them and give them some advice on where to go, what to do, how to do it. In my position here, I refer people who need sales help to three or four of the firms who have approved OBA to do that, such as yourselves. Uh -huh. uh, they're just it's something that the company's not providing. And unfortunately, those assess rates of new agents is dismal, always has been, uh, probably always will be. It lured into the business of the prospects of becoming a millionaire overnight, and that just doesn't happen, as you guys know. Right. We all have our stories of struggling when we started. I mean, if we did not make the same mistake more than four times, we probably would have been wiser, but 
we'll just plug in. So that's got me to here. So I'm uh, 17 years of retailing and um, 30 years in agency management, agency ownership, and then four and a half years doing this at Napa. Awesome. Love it. So this is a question that as you were talking, I was thinking about since you've kind of been on both sides and now mentoring a lot of agents, what's the difference? What's the difference between those who make it and crush it and those who are complaining all the time in all the groups and stuff? (laughs) You know, I I just sent an agent a quote that Calvin Coolidge uh, stated uh, in in the 1920s uh, about persistency. You know, the world is full of educated derelicts. Okay. you know, genius, unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. So the only thing that's important is persistency. Okay. Yeah. And if you're persistent, you know, most agents going back, you're a sales agent. Well, captive companies and at IAs, you're a really a small business owner who specializes in selling insurance products. And if you're not a business person first, then you're going to be in trouble. If you have a salesman and or a employee mentality, you're in trouble. I mean, you need to pay yourself first and you need to invest. And being on both sides of the fence, being on the management side and uh, and knowing what their goals and aspirations are and being on the agent side and knowing what you have to do to survive is a good teacher. But farmers taught me a lot of lessons, some more expensive than others, uh, but you, know, you, you learn from all of those. So you need to invest in yourself. You need to be persistent. You need to have your one, three, and five-year goals. Most companies do one, three, five, and 10-year goals. I mean, there's, there's this program they have out there now that was not developed overnight. Okay, uh, and uh, you know we're still waiting for, for stage four and stage five to come about and, and whether or not, depending on progress, how quickly those will, will transform. So as an agent, persistency is number one, being focused. You guys are, are both agents. You guys know that if you wake up on Monday morning and you have nothing planned for today, you're technically unemployed. Right? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. don't have anything to do. So, well, so what's going to go on? So, you know, the in the old days, the insurance managers would call you on Monday, ask you what you're going to do, and then call you on Friday and ask you what you did, right? And you were afraid of the phone call, so at least the agents would either have a good story or lie to you. Okay, here's yeah. what I did. <laughs> you know, but those uh, we usually caught up on you that. But uh, persistency, having a plan, having a when, what are you going to do? When are you going to be there? How are you going to do it? Uh, and then most agents, I don't know if they train their staff as well as they should. But as a business owner, it's just more than it's about making a car sale or making a life sale or making your life numbers. Those people who work for you, you need to invest in them. And I tell agents all the time, if your highest paid person in your office is not you, then you've got some wrong ideas about where you want to be at. <laughs> Right. There's a lot to unpack there. And I think that there's so many valid points. Agents come in, and I think it's also regardless of carrier, with a underwhelming expectation of what it really takes. To your point, that whole role of you have to be a business owner. You can be the best salesperson in the world, but that's not sustainable, right? You can't just go and sell and sell and sell because you're going to hit some capacity. And then mm-hmm. understanding it's important to be maybe the highest paid person, 
but at the same time, not take more than you absolutely need, especially in the beginning, because that reinvestment is what multiplies the thing. You growing those two books in that relatively short amount of time, I think you have an understanding that anything extra goes right back in, right? Otherwise, it's gone. You're not out buying boats and you know going to Vegas and, and that kind of thing. You have to reinvest in the agency. Otherwise, it's going to start to... To be continued. Hey, Jason. Yes, Mr. Craig. That was another awesome episode, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, if people want to get a little bit more action and, and learn how to do uh, write 100,000 in premium yes. off of even the worst internet leads, where could they go? They can go to live.teledudes.com. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Are we going to be there? Yes. It's a weekly call that we're doing right now that will – it's live – and it will show you the process, the entire process. Mm, Super awesome. Mm, I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Sign up right now, live.teledudes.com. Live.teledudes.com. That's live.teledudes.com. Hey, Craig, there's a new community that we are starting that I cannot wait to tell everybody about. It is our live texting community where you and I are going to answer people's questions and give them free content, right? Are you kidding me? We get yep. to talk to them? Yeah, which is awesome, but they have to opt in. They have to text us at 520-214-2219. That's 520-214-2219. Nice. I'm Greg, are you going to respond to these texts? I'm going to respond to them for sure, live. I'm into it too. It's going to be well, awesome. And it's, a, it's going to be our new texting community where we're going to get back to everybody that we can and drop some crazy content, free content, and free um, the calculator that you just came up with. Mm. That's right. The calling calculator. Sales material. I mean, everything for insurance agents, this is it. It's the best texting community out there for insurance agents. Well, what the heck is that number again? I can't remember it. It's 520-214-2219. That's okay. 520-214-2219. I love it. I'm going to text it right now. 520-214-2219. All right. I'll see you later, Mr. Jason. Bye, Mr. Craig. Wait, do they even listen to this on the radio anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nice. Uh, all right.